Petri Dish is a product of Petri Dish Media, all rights reserved. Petri Dish is a science comedy podcast and should not be used as medical advice. Do not get medical advice from a podcast. And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Science! Science! Yes. I know the human being and science can coexist peacefully. This was their finest. Today's episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. Do you feel like you're stuck in a dinner rut? With HelloFresh, you get free pre-measured ingredients with mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip all those trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. You can now enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in 30 minutes or less. With over 25 recipes to choose from each week, there is something for everyone to enjoy. All recipes are designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. Go to the link in our show notes to get $80 off including free shipping on HelloFresh Canada, Canada's number one meal kit. Welcome to Petri Dish. I'm Nathan. I'm Sean. Guys, we're about to embark on a two-part episode on the HIV-AIDS epidemic, and we're going to talk about this kind of in two phases. First, we're going to go through the history of HIV-AIDS, and then some really interesting information about how it developed. Now, all this is kind of leading into our part two, and the reason we want to talk about HIV-AIDS right now, this year, baby, is because using some of the mRNA technologies that have become honed during the COVID pandemic, we might finally have a vaccine for HIV. Yeah, and also, in the news very recently, was that the FDA approved a phase one clinical trial to use CRISPR technology for a cure for people who are infected with HIV AIDS. Yes. So basically, we have two different technologies that are right now kind of gaining steam to potentially be on one end something that can prevent HIV AIDS, and on the other end something that could cure it, which could really change be the huge game. and completely change the game yeah. for this disease. So because of all of those exciting developments, we decided to do this two-parter. All right, so I then know. let's get into it. So, you know, our Petri Dish audience is a pretty literate audience. I think they all can read. Very savvy. Yeah. And, you know, I think in the broad strokes, and especially historically, a lot of people are cognizant of HIV AIDS, right? You know, all of us have seen The Bland Plays On or Philadelphia. I think we all are aware of the failures in the early 80s, all that stuff. Right. Ronnie um, the rat fucker Reagan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> Wow, that derailed you, huh? I'm just, I'm just imagining it. <laughs> oh, Mary. Yeah, it just sounds like a sex party that he had with Walt Disney and like someone dressed up as a Mickey Mouse. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah, but anyway, we still want to go through the broad strokes of the HIV AIDS epidemic so that then we can go into the, the epidemiology 
the history of the disease that maybe some of us are not as aware of, going into how it works exactly uh, on the atomic level, oh, if shit. you will. Wow. <laughs> right? And then that'll put us in the right place to talk about why these breakthroughs work the way they do and are so amazing. Yeah. And, you know, I think one of the things that Nathan drove home really well just now, good job, Nathan, yeah, yeah, yeah. with your mouth, yeah. is that <laughs> a lot of my knowledge of HIV AIDS Ended about 1995. You know what I mean? Like, I had a pretty good grasp of, like, 80s into 90s. But what the current state of AIDS is right now, uh, a little bit more shaky about. So, I think, you know, we're going to bring it all the way up to 2020, basically. Because that's the last year we got stats on. So, let's just lay the foundation, go through the basics. Let's remind everybody what exactly HIV is. What does it say? Right. So, HIV is the acronym for Human Immunodeficiency Virus. And that's a virus that attacks the human immune system. Once enough damage has been done to the immune system, people develop AIDS, Acquired Immunodeficiency Syndrome, which is a collection of potential symptoms that can come from just the immune system not being able to work very well, and then also having opportunistic infections come in. Right. So those are a lot of infections that normally your immune system can keep away, but since it's all damaged, it can't really do anymore, right? So since the recognized start of the epidemic slash pandemic... I think categorization of AIDS is a little complicated. It's definitely global, but where it has been and where it is now, I think the WHO calls AIDS a global epidemic. Right. Which is, whatever, definitionally confusing, but let's not worry about it. That makes sense, because, like, I guess a pandemic is, like, just shit's COVID raging all the time, whereas, like, HIV kind of has hotspots or something in different places around the world. Right. And And they're simultaneous, but not spreading each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the most part. I would say Sub-Saharan Africa right. has been and continues to be pretty fucked yeah. up. But Now, this is something I didn't know. I mean, this is what you were referring to. So much of our thinking about HIV AIDS is defined in the West by the 80s. Mm-hmm. So I assumed that peak infections was like 1987. Turns out peak infections was 3 million cases in 1999. Right. So that year, there were 3 million new cases of HIV AIDS, new infections that year in right. 1999. And so since the start of the epidemic slash pandemic, between 27 million and 47 million people have died from HIV AIDS. Right. Okay? And the peak of that was 2 million deaths in 2002. 2004. Oh. <laughs> so let me hear that. And the peak of that was 2004 with 2 million deaths. Right. In that single year. Right. In 2020, so last year, there were 1.5 million new infections and 680,000 new deaths. Okay. Wow. So that's a lot, but it's a 50% drop. And a 65% drop in deaths in about 20 years. Mm -hmm. But so here's the thing. So there has been, in the past 20 years, a big noticeable drop in both new infections and a drop in deaths. Yeah. That big drop in deaths, though, does mean that there are more people surviving after having been infected with HIV. So that global number of people that are knowingly infected with HIV is around 37 million people worldwide. And that is now greater than the approximate number of people who have died from HIV AIDS. So so there's a lot of surviving people that are infected with this virus. And and presumably that's because the medications to treat HIV AIDS has become less expensive over time, better distributed in sub-Saharan Africa. Is that the logic going on here? Yes, and also in existence because... (laughs) It was just ivermectin in the early 90s. For a very serious amount of time, there was no treatment. Right. And then there were some treatments that could maybe work... If you were, like, right after infected, there were some things that could help 
people if they could afford it, but it was very expensive. And right. so you're right. The cost getting driven down and everything and redistributed to places like Sub-Saharan Africa has made a huge difference. Okay. But still, a lot more people getting in and dying from it than at least I was aware of. Yeah, know? it is still a very major thing. And although the numbers are on the decline, they're not that low. Yeah. Right. Right. There are some places, some countries in Sub-Saharan Africa where like 10 years ago even... HIV AIDS was like in the top three leading causes of death. Right. So like, it's pretty serious, right? Yeah. Um, in America, for some frame of reference, the top third is McDonald's. Right. So I mean, <laughs> that's great. So one of the other big differences that has kind of shifted over the past like 30 to 40 years is that in the US, the kind of original epidemic, it was sort of skewed really heavily in the direction of men. Right. In sub-Saharan Africa, it's actually skewed the other way toward women. Bummer. And Well, the, both are equally a bummer, actually. They are bummers, I but one thing I will say is that an additional issue is that infected women can pass on right. HIV via breast milk to babies. Wow. And so there are children that have HIV in sub-Saharan Africa, and it's, it's a larger percentage than we've seen in, like, for example, the U.S. during sort of the height of the HIV-AIDS epidemic. Babies here. could also get in the womb, right? Yeah, maybe. That's interesting. Why would it be different? I mean, because aren't you, like, all up in them fluids? The placenta can sometimes block a lot of transfer of things. I can't remember. Placentas are amazing, dude. That's I'm... why in Choson, Korea, you'd eat it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's you, good. You can do that now. Well, I know you could eat it, no. but you're like kind of gross, right? Like, <laughs> like back then it was like normal. You, you think they liked it? <laughs> yeah, probably. No, come on, there like... has to be a good way to like poach it, right? Like, <laughs> that, they could still be fine now. You have a sous vide. Do you think you can't sous vide up some placenta and figure something out? No one wants to hear about how you eat placenta. <laughs> <laughs> I see you inching towards that revelation. All right. <laughs> like no one wants to know about it. <laughs> what we got to do now is take a break. <laughs> Now I'm hungry. <laughs> and then once we come back from the break, let's talk about what scientists believe are the origins of HIV AIDS, which is some new ground that I didn't really know about yeah. before. Culture News. So, Sean, we're a famously irreligious pod, um, but there's some really cool news in the Catholic world. Oh, good. Yeah. Step one, Pope Francis, he's actually really pissed off at American bishops because they keep on trying to, like, not give the crackers to Joe Biden. Um, oh, yeah yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, And Pope Francis is like, stop it. He's like, <laughs> stop it, guys. <laughs> Shut up. I think everyone should get to have crackers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, They're delicious. Like, yeah. I actually had, um, I went to the farmer's market last weekend, and yeah. I got some smoked swordfish. Nice. And I ate that with crackers. Nice, dude. Well, that's like doubly Christ-like, right? Because Jesus <laughs> yeah. symbols the fish. Yeah. Yeah. Although it'd be cooler if it was the swordfish. Just keep, it on. <laughs> okay, keep going. Keep going. Okay, okay, okay. But anyway, um, Stacy actually forced us to do this culture news because there was an article of news about Catholicism that Stacy actually cares about. Yep. Stacy does not give a fuck about what Pope Francis thinks. Yeah, but what's this other fucking thing? Okay, so there's this bishop. I didn't think to look up. <laughs> It doesn't so, matter. So there's this bishop in Pietro. Port yeah, yeah. So the BP, good old <laughs> bishop of Portugal. He's, a, he's an archbishop in Portugal or a cardinal or something like that. Uh, Catholic listeners, please chime in. <laughs> and he uh, is famously arch conservative. He, like, 
hates abortion, thinks you're going to hell for the whole thing. Just right, like yeah, yeah. very culture warsy kind of guy. Despite like Jude being, Law. Like, <laughs> like Jude Law in the TV show. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> but anyway, so he resigned recently, which is not particularly common, especially because he was like, a quote-unquote rising star. Mm-hmm. He's like in his 40s. He's, that's very young to be a bishop. Yeah. He resigned in kind of a fleabag style twist. He fell in love with a writer, this woman who writes satanic erotica. So, can I, first of all, why are you saying it's satanic? Why is it? Satanic. <laughs> really? Why are you saying it with a satan? Yeah. Satanic. Satanic. <laughs> <laughs> because it's a sweet tonic for my religious I see, life. I see. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So she writes satanic fan fiction. Yeah. Yeah. Well, erotica is my specifically. Oh, shit. <laughs> you know. Apparently, he was a really pro exorcist guy. So oh. I don't know the story behind their meeting. I'm looking it up for you, dear listeners. But I wouldn't be surprised if it was a, something on exorcism. Oh yeah, like she was interviewing him for yeah. info on how exorcisms. Work. Yeah, or like a joint exorcist conference or something. Oh, of course. Yeah, they have to have those. <laughs> yeah, an exorcist talk. You know. And then they met, got a little deeper into the port, just like me and Vina Volo, you know, and exercised <laughs> uh, some demons in his trousers. The drink, the port. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're I mean, physically... <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Port de Lisboa. All right, all right. Well, you know, I mean, I guess in a certain sense, it's refreshing to hear a story about the Catholic Church that doesn't involve diddling kids. Like, at right. least it's a consensual relationship yeah. between adults. Yeah, this is done right. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you meet, you fall in love, you resign. Yeah, yeah. You know what? <laughs> Good on this guy. Good yeah. job, arch conservative. Can you imagine how terrible it is for that woman now? She's like, thinks it's what she wants, and now she's like a live-in bishop. Yes. She's <laughs> <laughs> just like throwing water around. She's like, I asked you to vacuum. He's yeah. like, I'm cleaning the house. But but good job to Bishop Zhao. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Friend Dandino. Yeah, yeah, whatever his name is. Francesina. That's great. Okay, guys. Hey, that's another installment of Culture News. So I feel like what I was taught in middle school or something was that like HIV didn't exist until like the 60s when some hunter like got scratched up or like ate some like monkey meat or something like that. Mm-hmm. And SIDS, like simian immunodeficiency syndrome, jumped into into humans, hosts, mm-hmm. and that kind of slowly spread in the 60s and 70s. And then like some French dude, like flight attendant guy, like whoopsie daisy, right. spread it all over that, the world. That patient zero. Yeah, like the most prolific sexual actor in human history. Sure. Well, uh, but hot. what I've learned from your notes is that like that has been incredibly revised since I was in school. Yeah, yeah. Basically, the timeline got bumped back a lot. Yeah. So, to give people an idea of sort of the timeline here, 1981 was when the CDC published their report on a cluster of five patients in Los Angeles. Yeah, that was the first report. Ronald Reagan was just like, no, daddy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not reading that one. (laughs) So, they were young men who were previously healthy, but were now dying of infections that really people don't typically get. Opportunistic infections that are normally fought off by the immune system. Right, right. Kaposi sarcoma, sometimes in pneumonia, those are like the big famous ones, right, right? Right, and there are certain kinds of meningitis that you can get. So they were dying of these things that really they should not have been. There was no right. like, familial history of immunodeficiency, so there right. was some kind of acquired one that was happening. Right. And that was 81, right? And that was kind of the beginning of the recognition of AIDS, and there were a lot of false starts after that. But 1981 was like kind of the earliest... There are still some questions, though. Like, uh, 1981 seems late in history for any disease to pop up right. and be totally new, right? Most of the diseases that we've ever talked about, you know, like, uh, we're fucking, really old. 
Yeah, we're like reading about shit. Like the MS, we were talking the Saint Ludwina yeah, yeah, of yeah. ice skaters, you know? Like she fucking, right. you know, so like. Fucking bubonic plague's been around forever. Right, right. Forever. So a lot of stuff is like going back way, way back. But for HIV, it seems like it's a much more recent thing. And so scientists have been curious how far back does this go? What's the deal, bro? And so now they are estimating that it popped up between 1910 and 1930. Okay, so okay. how do you even figure that sort of thing out? Right. I mean, was there like a St. Ludwina of the Congo, <laughs> like, in 1910? <laughs> so not quite. So there's kind of two separate things. The first one is something called a molecular clock. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so what that means is that in a lot of living things, when you replicate the DNA, like when our cells are dividing, or when bacteria are dividing, or anything like that, usually there's some amount of errors that happen during right. the, the process of remaking your DNA. Okay. Right? You don't copy it perfectly. Now, in a lot of animals and stuff like that, we actually do a lot of work to try to maintain fidelity. So we like we really try to copy it accurately. If there's a mistake, we try to go back and fix it. Right. Viruses yeah, they're... just do not give a fuck about that. Right. Like they, So they are very what's called error prone. Right. And so they will just fucking have mutations pop up. Most of them ruin that batch of virus. But whatever. Yeah. There's fucking there's so many of, of them, right? Yeah. So... The thing is, they accumulate. It's kind of like our attitude towards states, right? Is like in France, there's not that many states, so you need to have a vaccine mandate. But in America, it's like Florida dies, there's 49 other ones. (laughs) (laughs) You know, whatever. There are so many other states to keep going. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are error prone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's beautiful. Um, So yeah, basically, you know, these viruses they're replicating and they keep mutating. But they happen at kind of a regular pace of Mm, mutations. Interesting. And so you can compare viruses and be like, oh, for all of these to kind of reverse their mutations back in time to like when they were the same virus. Yeah. For example, for COVID, we could find a strain in Japan and we could find a strain in the UK. Right. And we can try to estimate how long ago they were once the same virus, their last common ancestor. That's cool. And for HIV, they basically did the same thing. They were like, how many mutations would it take for all of these to be the same ancestor? Interesting. And how long would it take to accumulate that number of mutations? So that's called the molecular clock. And with that, they estimated it to about a 20-year period between 1910 and 1930. Wow. Now, that at first was kind of like a guesstimation based off of like pretty good scientific kind of underpinnings, but still a guess, right? But then we started doing things like finding tissue samples and blood samples that had been taken in like the 50s and 60s. Because back then in the 50s and 60s, you know, you might draw blood for some kind of test or something like that. Okay. Or, you know, they were doing things like taking tissue biopsies for slides to look under the microscope and Well, things. sure. Of people or? Of humans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of humans. Okay. Like, like medical patients, right, that are like sick with something. Okay. They would take like a little slice of a tumor or something like that and yeah. look under the microscope to see if they could diagnose it. Right? Yeah. And so some of those tissue samples, scientists went back to tissue samples from like the 60s and 50s. Holy shit. And then looked for viruses in them and found viruses, HIV viruses. Whoa. And then sequenced the RNA in those viruses. How did they know who to look for? Was it people who died of rare forms of meningitis or something? No, they basically went through a bunch of samples in the estimated location where HIV would have probably popped up. Well, is this like around South Africa or something? Like, uh, we're talking about Democratic Republic of the Congo. Ah, uh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Kinshasa. Wow. And so, Kinshasa, baby. Yeah. The capital. 
Holy shit, So it, I didn't know you it, knew how to say that. <laughs> that was blessedly one of the easier ones to say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so... Wow, then, that's amazing. Though. Yeah, so they were looking through, they found these sequences, and when they looked at, like, okay, this is from, like, 66. If we look back at our molecular clock, how many mutations would have been reversed to go back to 66? Mm-hmm. And they found that the clock was pretty reliable, actually. Holy crap. That, like, this guy matched up with the clock pretty well, and 66 is, like, kind of the halfway point between the 1910, 30 kind of period. So they're pretty confident that their molecular clock holds up for wow. that long. So HIV was flown around the Congo yes. for decades before it spread. Absolutely. So, I mean, what's going on? Why didn't anyone start to notice these things? Is it just because the Congo was mostly an isolated population? Was it because, like, I mean, just, like, no one gave a shit because it was a colony? Like, was it, like, a racism thing? Or was it, like, a low life expectancy thing? So it, it could be all of those things. Uh, so, you know, for one thing that's clear is that the life expectancy in sub-Saharan Africa and, like, the Congo, for example, has changed really drastically over the past century. Right. Right? In part because of greater availability of anti-parasitics and things like that. Certain yeah. things, malaria and stuff, could kill people in greater amounts younger. Right. Before HIV could actually progress into AIDS. Wow. Because right? that takes a little bit of time. Wow. But also, HIV has mutated over time. Right? Oh. And so it's entirely possible that it was not very good at getting people sick. Oh, interesting. So it's possible that, you know, some of these people passed away without ever knowing that they were positive. Well, all of them passed away without knowing they were positive. That's true. Yeah. That's true. But, but without, but like, without but any yeah, no huge symptom. outward symptoms. Right. Yeah. Wow, that's really interesting. So, uh, and then having, you know, we've all discussed this with viruses, it's almost like HIV fucked up because it was just living peacefully. Sure. And then, like, it got too uppity. Yeah, well, you know, we'll get to this at the end of the episode, but there is not just one kind of HIV out there. There's not one HIV virus. Right. There's actually two species of it and then many strains of it. Wow. So we'll get into some of those details a little bit later. But yeah, there is one that went pandemic. But, you know, way early on in like the 1910s and 20s, that proto-HIV, let's say, the virus that actually made the hop into humans yeah. was originally a simian immunodeficiency virus, right. or SIV. Yeah. And simian meaning that it infected primates. Right. right. And the most common one was from chimpanzees, and it probably developed a couple of mutations while it was in chimps that made it easier to hop species. Interesting. And then after it made the hop, that HIV spread and mutated for decades in the Congo, in that part of Africa, before it finally made the jump out of Africa, and then, you know, into the rest of the world, right. basically. So I feel like we kind of talked a little bit about symptoms. I don't know. Like, I mean, we talked about, like, the opportunistic diseases you can get. Well, I say let's take a break, and then we'll blast through this quickly, and then we'll go into the details and finish. Okay, cool. Okay. All let's right. Let's take a break. Yeah. Yeah. Break. We're breaking. The following is an actual advertisement. Book Retorts is a podcast about what happens when you try to explain your weird media finds to your friends. We've got dragons. Davio's dragon, which name is Deborah. Deborah the dragon. <laughs> That's my favorite. <laughs> it's so good. And questionable science. They want to like drive the moon out of the solar system and like fly it off like a big spaceship. And it's bonkers. <laughs> Destroy the Earth. Nancy Drew investigates. There's a new boy in town. 
but is he human or vampire? And ask the tough questions. And how is it that you explain the coffin in your parlor? Which is a legitimate question. <laughs> it I got it. And it doesn't make sense in the books either. <laughs> There's also romance. They ruin their nice date. I mean, well, that was the whole point of karate chopping the person earlier and coming into the <laughs> <Right>. restaurant, Sam. <laughs> so join us every Wednesday as we take on the weirdest books, movies, graphic novels, and whatever else we find over at bookretorts.com. Or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm breaking this butt wide open. Oh, wait, what? <laughs> what you doing to my butt? <laughs> I'm breaking it wide <laughs> oh open. Oh my god. Yeah. That's what Andy Samberg says in gay porn. Because he's also a cop, right? From Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, he's like, I'm breaking this booty wide open. I guess that works okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Okay, so guys, welcome back. Let's do a quick run through how HIV AIDS works, what its symptoms are. Right, yeah. So about 40 to 90% of people who get infected with HIV, they'll develop these like cold slash flu type symptoms. Okay? You know, like a fever, a headache, a sore throat. Sometimes they'll develop sores in their mouth and genitalia, so they might get more like a mono-type right. symptoms. But those symptoms are very easy to kind of mess up and misdiagnose as like any number of other things. Right, right? And, you know, 40 to 90% get those symptoms. The remainder might not get any symptoms at all when they get infected. Right. Okay. But as HIV weakens the immune system, other symptoms do start to show up. You get swollen lymph nodes. A lot of times they'll swell up and then they'll kind of, they'll go back to normal. And then, you know, you might have lymph nodes in other spots that swell up and go away. Wow. You'll have a cough, weakness, weight loss. And then once the immune system's weakened enough, that's when you start to see the opportunistic infections, right? And like we were saying, pneumonia, tuberculosis, certain cancers like Kaposi's sarcoma, meningitis, right? And because you have this lack of specific symptoms early in infection, it's really tough that's sort of the time period where people are the most infectious. Right. Where they can spread it most easily. And it's also when the current treatments we have are most useful. Right. But people don't know to get tested. Right. So, you know, it's it's a really tough disease to get a handle on because it's so nonspecific at first. Right. Well, let's talk about, on a molecular level, oh, shit. why it's so good at what it does. Right, okay. So first things first, HIV, like I said earlier, is a group of viruses, not a single virus. There's actually an HIV-1 and an HIV-2, right. and they're genetically pretty different from each other. Hmm. They're actually from two very separate times that a simian immunodeficiency virus hopped over into humans. Oh, shit. So we've had more than one hopping overs, okay? With HIV-2, didn't come from a chimpanzee, probably. It mm. probably came from a macaque. And it probably happened in West Africa. Oh, so it's, wow. a, it's a completely geographically different area. Wow, okay. And HIV-2 actually has never gone pandemic. So all the cases oh, of HIV-2 wow. are in West Africa. And it's like a, it's a separate thing. That's fascinating. Okay. Yeah. So HIV-1 is the virus responsible for the global pandemic. And even within HIV-1, there's actually multiple lineages, which are lettered M-N-O-P. And... Those are all also probably separate zoonotic transfers. Wow. They're all probably different times that some kind of SIV virus hopped over from a primate into humans. Yeah. The O and the P lineages are more closely related to a gorilla virus, where the M and the N are more closely related to the chimpanzee one that I mentioned earlier. People gotta stop fucking around with, with the, the primates, man. Yeah, I guess so. We're just too similar to them. We get a bunch of shit from those guys. I mean, just I in, thought bats were bad, dude. You know, wherever 
Corona hopped over from, right? Yeah. Like, if, if it was a pangolin. You mean the Wuhan Institute. <laughs> <laughs> you mean from one Chinese scientist where, to another. Wherever it hopped over from. Yeah, hey, okay. yeah. Look, what John Stewart says, I believe. The main thing is that in all of these situations where we have increased interactions with wildlife, right, right. as habitats encroach in, right. or as people have to resort to bushmeat because it's difficult to get other sources of food, yeah. these dangers will continue to exist, right? We will right. continue to see zoonotic transfers the more that we impinge into wildlife. That's what's always so funny about any movie that's about biological, not, not biological, yeah, biological weapons, and, you know, like 12 or 13 Monkeys or whatever it is, the Terry Gilliam film, yeah. is it's like, guys, we don't, we don't need to purposely spread any of these diseases. Like, we just have broader systems of inequality and capitalism, man. Like, that's going to spread your diseases. Like, don't don't worry about, about conspiracies. Yeah. <laughs> you live in a fallen world. Yeah. Or is the conspiracy that capitalism has driven corporations to make us think that, like, recycling and driving less is going to save us from global warming? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I, that, I mean, yes. <laughs> Sometimes you can just unequivocally agree, right? I did, I did crazy conspiracy force. I meant to do regular conspiracy force because that's just accurate. Anyway, so out of all of those lineages, the M... Wait, it's not! <laughs> don't, don't listen to us. What? We don't believe that. Corporations are totally partially responsible for that. Okay, I'm now I'm confused. I don't think I followed the thread. The, the idea was that, that, like, basically global warming needs to be combated like on a much larger scale and that like corporations oh, are actually see. responsible for so much of global warming right. that consumer level changes to our behavior are can only kind of impact around. things like in like a pretty small level right? compared to like changes that need to be like much, much bigger ones. Okay, so now yeah. I understand why I disagree. Because you're, <laughs> you're a communist. Yeah, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> well, you, you, you take all the guilt, consumer. <laughs> okay, anyway. Uh, yes. Oof. Yeah. So... The M lineage of HIV is the one that's responsible for the HIV pandemic. Okay. Okay, so it's it's like one lineage right. out of multiple lineages out of one HIV virus yeah. when there's actually two, you know, so like... It's like the Hemsworths. There's multiple Hemsworths, but one... There's only tr one true Hemsworth. One is infectious. <laughs> <laughs> so even within the M lineage, there are sub-lineages lettered A through K... But those are more like uh, COVID strains, you know what I mean? Like the Delta and uh, right. Alpha and that kind of thing. Right? Okay. So those were all from the same zoonotic transfer, but it's just mutations from there, right? Okay. So HIV is a, it's a kind of virus called a retrovirus, and more specifically, a lentivirus. Retroviruses are called retro because... Lentivirus is when you go to college and all of a sudden everyone's eating lentils. <laughs> what the fuck are lentils? Yeah, they're, they're little, uh, little fucking things. Yeah, they're like, you've never had lentils? They taste like weird beans. Yeah. Um, I've like slowly come to not hate them. Oh, see, I like dal makani. Ah, oh, that's, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Yeah. I still can't get into quinoa. Oh, yeah. Quinoa bothers me. Yeah, quinoa's weird, man. It's like the wrong size. It's too small. <laughs> okay, anyway. I don't trust anything that says. <laughs> yeah. Retroviruses are called retro because they take their RNA genetic information. Yeah. They store their genetic information as RNA. Yeah. And then they turn it back into DNA. Okay. And the central dogma thing is like, oh, things go DNA, then RNA, then right. protein. But these perverts, yes. RNA into DNA. They're taking it back. Right, right, right. right? And then once they reverse their stuff back into DNA, that can get shoved into your DNA, in your cells. Right, which is why it's so hard to deal with. Right. It's particularly naughty because that way the virus can hide out in your cells. It can go dormant and just exist in your DNA and then at some point later kind of have a resurgence. Mm. Right. So it's very hard to eliminate from your system once it's in there. And this ability of HIV 
and its preference for a particular immune cell type that it likes to fuck around with are a couple of the reasons why HIV is so dangerous and difficult to deal with. Right. Okay, and why we've had such a hard time being able to do anything like cure it, although we have developed some treatments for it. Right. And so all of those things, both the details on the cell types it likes to mess around with, how it likes to get into cells, and then also what the current treatments are. Right. And those fancy future treatments that are very exciting. And oh. the news, it's so hot right now. Yeah, yeah, The yeah. news is hot. Keep it in your loins, guys. That's all happening get next week. Yeah. Oof. Oof. Ooh, girl. Oof. Anyway, so I'm glad we did the groundwork this week. Yeah, yeah. Laid the foundation on limestone. It's yeah. all going to sink in a couple of years anyway. Watch out, Miami. Yeah, yeah. You got to lay that foundation so that you can fuck the foundation. Yeah, yeah. Even the Dutch can't save it. <laughs> like, Miami's talking to these Dutch firms, and they're like, you built a limestone, idiot. <laughs> yeah. Like, we built on solid grounds. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, anyway. Uh, but yeah, so we've laid the foundation now. And that means next week, right, we can talk about syntactical nodes and CRISPRs. And we could talk about, uh, you know, the d- mRNA. <laughs> <laughs> and then we can do the You gotta see Nathan twitching over here. It's some shit. All right, guys. Yeah, guys, thanks for joining us. Yeah, so let's say thank you to Stacy Song, our sound lord and engineer and animator. Thank you, Brian, for art living in the desert out there. Ooh. So high in elevation. Yeah, right now, Brian Allen, the artist, he's like living in this octagonal house made yep. by a guy and his Southeast Asian wife who died of a heart attack in there. And now ghosts wander in there. Absolutely. He's got this ghostly koi pond in the middle that just like spontaneously creates life. Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, there's a garter snake in there. All yeah. of a sudden, there's a tadpole in there. Yeah, two tadpoles. It's like challenging our pre-existing theories on biology. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, sometimes things just... You kind of collect Spont- out spontaneously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like all the algae in there is... What was that called? The uh, spontaneous generation? Was that what that was I called? I think so, yeah. Anyway, you can email us at petridishpod at gmail.com. Tweet at us at dishpodcast. Give us a buck or two a month at patreon.com slash petridish. Yeah, or more. I know some of our listeners are wealthier than us. <laughs> Suck in. There's gotta be out there. Just sugar daddy. You know, like once a month... You know, give us, uh, like, 10K or something. Wow! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. We'll see you next time. Talk to you later. Just